Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry alongside my partner, Luke Worsham. Uh, you can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Luke underscore Worsham. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Go give us a follow, guys, on Twitter, at Tighten Up Pod, on Instagram, at Tighten Up Podcast. That's where you'll be able to access all of our stuff, all of our podcasts, all of our memes, all of our jokes, all of our complaints, everything else. Um, as always, we are under the A to Z Sports uh, umbrella. You go follow A to Z Sports on all social media platforms. So this week, this is sode number 61. The the Fernando Velasco of sodes, if you will. Luke, I know that was your remember the Titan last week. Yes. So we're gonna we're gonna keep that rolling as long as we can. So the for, for Fernando Velasco of sodes, it's well, gonna be a really you know, fun. It's one. funny. Last week was the Ben Jones of Sodes, number 60. This week's Fernando Velasco. Next week will be the Brian Schwenke of Sodes. We're just going to keep going down the line of starting centers in Titans history as, as long as we can do this. Hey, we're in the dog days of the offseason now that the draft has come and gone, so it's only right to give some of the big uglies some love, and that's what we'll be doing until we get to the 80s. Uh, but we've got a really fun episode for you guys today. The draft is finally over. Everyone can take a deep breath. We, we will take you through each and every one of the, the Titans' eight draft picks they made over the weekend, including the not-so-hot start of Rashad Weaver. Uh, he's gotten himself into a bit of trouble. Are the Titans cursed? We'll talk about that. Titans fans have been rabid animals this past week. All of you guys have been psychopaths. <laughs> so we have to break out this week in Titans Facebook. This will be fun and, for some of you, pretty embarrassing. Uh, Hopefully you didn't embarrass yourself online over the weekend because we have caught some of you doing that. And then it's it's finally back, guys. Laughing at the Texans. The Texans have finally resurfaced and made a complete joke out of themselves once again by uh, a certain draft pick they made over the weekend. We're going to laugh at them. Kenneth Copeland will come in. He'll laugh as well. Uh, And then we're going to close with Remember the Titans. So we've got a really fun episode for you guys this week. Uh, Luke. Would you tell these fine people about Mill Creek Brewing Company? I will tell these fine people about Mill Creek Brewing Company. It's they're one of the coolest tap rooms in Middle Tennessee. They've got over 20 unique Mill Creek bars on tap located at 2008B Johnson Industrial Boulevard here in Nashville. They have a phenomenal patio seating as well as indoor seating section. It's massive if you're looking to enjoy a little darling, juicy days, or even a Delray Mexican lager to get in the mood for Cinco de Mayo, which is today, Jack. So uh, mm-hmm. happy Cinco de Mayo for yeah. all of our listeners. Uh, Mill Creek is also putting on the Catfish Jake Cornhole Classic. We told you about this last week, benefiting the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. That takes place on May the 15th, and it is only 25 bucks for lunch and an open bar. 25 bucks, lunch and an open bar, plus 125 bucks per team if you want to sign up and compete in the double elimination 64-team cornhole tournament. If you do that, you'll have the chance to win some awesome prizes. And that's because nobody throws a party like Mill Creek Brewing Company. You can check them out online at their website, millcreekbrewingco.com. You can look at their upcoming events, such as they have trivia night every Thursday, lots of live music performances at the brewery, and their Cinco the Mayo celebration. If you're listening on Wednesday and you want to be a part of that, go check that out on their website. Head out to Mill Creek. Make sure that you tell them the Titan Up podcast sent you, MillCreekBrewingCo.com. Love Mill Creek Brewing Company, guys. Go check them out. Go buy their beer wherever you can find them. They're in a bunch of Kroger's all over the mid state. So uh, they're not too hard to find. Um, 
Smash Pest Control. I want to talk about these guys, a new sponsor of ours. Uh, the season has turned to spring, but unfortunately that also means it's mosquito season. Mosquito season, termite season, all of these bugs and insects have, have begun to finally invade all of our houses. Um, if that is the case for you, now is the perfect time to talk to you guys about Smash Pest Control because they are the best pest control service in Middle Tennessee. Smash Pest is a local co company with a community-driven approach that focuses on amazing customer service above all else. Guys, they're Preds and Titans fans. They'll smash your expectations with every visit. If they don't, you don't pay. It's that simple. And here's another great deal for you guys. Right now, you go to Smash Pest Control. On your initial pest control service, you mention A to Z, and, you'll, and it'll only cost you $79. So right now, you can get your initial pest control service started by mentioning A to Z, only cost you $79. These guys do amazing work all over the mid-state. Make sure to check them out online at smashpest.com or give them a call at 615-581-7473. Again, guys, grab a pin, write this down. You're going to want to make sure make a note of this. 615-581-7473, Smash Pest Control. They will solve those pesky pest problems today. All right, guys, you heard it. You heard it from our sponsors. You heard it from us. We've got a big episode in front of us, so let's get to it. Luke. Let's talk Titan. I hear the train a-coming, it's rolling around the bend, and I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when I'm sucking cold prison, and time keeps... Welcome into the Titan Up Podcast, guys. This is going to be a fun episode. The Titans made a lot of noise over draft weekend. Pro Football Focus has the Titans draft very highly rated. Uh, they made some interesting decisions and some interesting positions of need were not necessarily addressed as soon as many Titans fans would have hoped. Obviously, the wide receiver and tight end position, uh, it took until day three before the Titans grabbed a wide receiver. But hey, they they addressed the secondary. And when when you're the Titans and you had the year that you had last year on third downs, especially in, in third down and long scenarios where it seemed like, you know, it, anything over or anything over, you know, third and three, uh, the defense has a good shot at, at converting that uh, through the air. They address the secondary. They they draft Caleb Farley first uh, in the first round at number twenty two, and that that was a that was one of those guys that there was a lot of buzz around before the draft. Luke, not many teams were seemed to be certain on his injury issues. Two back surgeries since twenty twenty, um, an ACL in twenty seventeen. A lot of question marks and red flags might have been uh, hovering over this guy, but ever since the Titans have drafted him, we've gotten to see, you know, his ability in in, in press conferences, his confidence that that he exudes. Um, what do you what? How do you view Caleb Farley at, at number twenty two overall for the Titans? I think he's a stud. I I think it's a good pick. He, he strikes me as someone that is going to, if he plays and if he is healthy, which. That is a big if. As you mentioned, Jack, it's, it's looking good based on some of the early returns we've seen. But he's going to be a great player. He's super fast. He's very fluid. He's long. And he's confident. You know, th there's a difference between being a word to describe a an appendage on the male body that I'm not going to say on this podcast. <laughs> there's a difference between being that and being confident. And Caleb Farley 
based on talking to him in his press conference that he did, seeing some other media rounds that he participated in, he strikes me as someone who's confident, who, who has some swagger to him. And, and I made this comment last night when I was recording the No Nonsense podcast. He's like Malcolm Butler if you put him in a top 10 draft picks body. Like he's got Ooh, that supreme, okay. unique athleticism that Butler doesn't have. But the reason I make the Butler comparison is my Butler was feisty. He played with an attitude. You, you, you watch him every day at practice. I watched Butler practice for three years, and, and every day he would come out there and set the tone for the defense. I remember Kerry Combs talking about how his energy was, was infectious and contagious, and it, it rubbed off on everybody else. And I think Caleb Farley can be that guy. I mean, think of some of the things that he said in his press conference. Uh, he was asked, you know, what is your role in a defense? Where are you best in a defense? He said, my role is, my best role is Caleb, go take that guy away. And, and someone else asked him, that. someone else asked him, what is your mentality when you're going up against a receiver? And he said, my mentality is they're not on my level. Period. Yeah. And, and awesome. I love that. I just saw a clip where he, he did a podcast a, a month or so ago with Chris Collinsworth, and they were talking about Tyreek Hill. And he was like, well, the reason no one covers Tyreek Hill in press coverage is, you know, as soon as the ball snapped, they get on their ankles and they get scared. Well, I'm not going to have that problem. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I, I you know, and you all who, who know me uh, from from reading my stuff at A to Z and following me on Twitter you know I am the farthest thing from a cheerleader. I, I hold the Titans to a very high standard. I'm very critical because I expect big things out of Mike Vrabel and John Robinson and this team. I I love this guy, man. I'm I'm super excited to watch him practice. I'm super excited to watch him play. I think he's going to be a lot of fun and really, really good and help this defense. It, it, from what all of the draft experts and, and you know you look at the measurables on Farley sub four three forty the guy's a speed demon um, and I'm glad you brought up the Tyree Kill thing because it seemed like that was a theme throughout this draft all of the teams who had a need at wide receiver were trying to find that Tyree Kill in this draft class there was Kadarius yeah. Tony Elijah Moore Rondale Moore Amari Rogers all tiny guys who can move and, and, and scoot kind of like a jitterbug like Hill is but. At the Titans' position, instead of going out and getting their Tyreek Hill, they found a guy who can cover Tyreek Hill, which <laughs> yeah. is, is extremely valuable in today's league. Uh, you've got to go through the Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl, obviously. The, the AFC runs through Kansas City, and the Titans have had a couple cracks at the Chiefs, and the most recent one in the playoffs uh, did not go as planned. It's I like the pick because if Farley, if these injuries weren't an issue, and I get it, you know, back injuries are tricky, especially back surgeries at this young of an age. And he's still working through and rehabbing through some of that. But if the medical is clear, and this is a medical staff that I think has earned the trust of the not only the Titans organization, but Titans fans as well, you have a Jeffrey Simmons that you draft off an ACL. He comes in and he's, you know, he's a player that the Titans could, we all hope would stick around for at least a decade. This guy, he's got big play potential on the inside and he can do it all. He's a freak. And then you saw AJ Brown last year. He missed some, some time early in the season with a knee injury that was significant, significant enough to require surgery in the off season. But the Titans managed that pretty well throughout the season as well. 
I you have to trust what they're doing with Farley. It makes a ton of sense to address you know the cornerback position, and it sound from what it sounds to me uh, like is is that Farley instead of Christian Fulton is going to be playing outside across from Janoris Jenkins. Although you you mentioned you know and and Farley said this you know I what what position do you consider yourself to to be playing in the NFL? And he said, well in college we ran cat coverage, meaning. I got this yeah. cat, you got this cat, which is awesome because he's he's positionless in that sense, and he can, he can cover you know whether whether he has to go inside or outside. I trust him; he's confident. Everything about this pick right now makes me love him. I just hope, I hope, and I think I think he will be available by week one because that's what the Titans need. They need guys that can come in and contribute week one. Uh, this is a Titans defense that is not near complete. Uh, they they need rookie contributions, which is unfortunate because a lot of the teams across the league you draft for depth on the defensive side of the ball. The Titans are drafting for starters, and I think they might have found one in Caleb Farley. Yeah, and my first question when they drafted him was just what you were getting at. Is he going to play as a rookie? Because I think this was a draft where the Titans needed to get guys who can help them immediately. And and so that's what I sort of tried to press on in the press conferences. I asked John Robinson at point blank, is he going to be ready for training camp? And Robinson said, you know, we don't put timetables on guys. So he sort of refused to commit there. But uh, Teron Davenport asked Caleb Farley, uh, will, you know, is there any chance you won't be ready for training camp? And that's when he delivered the great line. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. I Love thought that. Was that. that needs to be on a t-shirt. That needs yeah, to be on a t-shirt. Yeah. And, and I asked Caleb because Benjamin Albright, who's a great NFL reporter in Denver, said that multiple teams told him that they believed Farley would need more surgery. And I asked Farley about that. I said, is there a chance that you're going to need more surgery? And he said, no, totally false. Not going to happen. So he, he where John Robinson was sort of unwilling to commit on a win, uh, Farley was very strong and shut down any possibility that he's not going to be ready to go when they put the pads on at the end of July. That is, that's the most important thing, I think. And and if you're John Robinson, after the scrutiny that that he's been under after last year's draft, he wouldn't make, a, you know, he wouldn't roll the dice on a guy he's not completely sure of. And it seems like while there were there were certainly questions about that back, everything is checked out and everything's moving along as scheduled. Um, and we're going to get to see a heavy dose of Caleb Farley this season, uh, no matter where he's where he's out there on the field at. But next in the, in the second round, day two of the draft, the Titans entered still, you know, they, they filled their cornerback void for the for the time being. And they entered day two looking for a wide receiver, looking for a tight end. Well, mm-hmm. with the 53rd overall pick, the Titans select Dylan Radins, a tackle. Who, who is a versatile offensive lineman. He can play all five positions. A tackle out of North Dakota State. Uh, he's an interesting story. He comes from a small town in Minnesota. I've dubbed him the Minnesota Mulligan for, uh, you know, making up for last year's pick of Isaiah Wilson at tackle. They go out and find a guy there that can come in and compete with Kendall Lamb. Worst case scenario, he's the backup behind Taylor Lewan coming off an ACL uh, so, so they've got a guy who can move around to kind of a new Dennis Kelly, a new younger Dennis Kelly. Uh, he hasn't lost in college, 32 starts, 32 wins, three national championships, one all American selection in 2019. Uh, the guy's a stud. Everything I see, I like, uh, you, you know, even his size, he's six, six, 300 pounds. 
but he's not a wide receiver, Luke. He 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 was not a <laughs> wide receiver, and it really, if if he doesn't beat out Kendall Lamb at right tackle, drafting a guy that that's it's kind of a rotational swing lineman in the second round of a draft when you have this glaring need at wide receiver, that's a head scratcher to me. I I tend to disagree, and here's why. If I'm because first of all, I think there is a chance he plays this year. I think that oh, he without could very a doubt, much, there's a chance. I think very much. I think there's very much a chance he could have an arc like Nate Davis had when he was a third round pick out of Charlotte, where I believe he started uh, playing significant time in Week Four and then became a starter after that. I think Raiden's can potentially get out there even faster in Week One. I think there's a chance of that happening. That'll be something, of course, to watch in training camp. Uh, but. When I look at this offense, obviously the receiver position freaks me out right now, and we can get into that more later. But, mm-hmm. you know, you have I've talked about it on here before. I've written about it. I've talked about it everywhere, right? You have A.J. Brown, who's a stud. Then you have Josh Reynolds, who's like an unknown. There's some potential there. He's solid. And then it just nosedives. And they did draft uh, Des Fitzpatrick, the receiver out of Arizona. We'll, we'll get to him in a minute. But, you know, after that, it's really problematic. However... I would. I am less concerned with the notion of Ryan Tannehill having to make it work with you know Des Fitzpatrick and Nick Westbrook Akeen as the three and four receivers. Akeen, Akeen, Akeen. Put some respect on that. Is it Akeen? See, I looked at the pronunciation guide. I have it right here. That and it wasn't even in there. So I know, I, well, see, I, we had Nick on, and Nick's a Nick's a friend of mine. He he got rattled when he was talking to the production booths uh, on how to pronounce his last name. And he gave him a key instead of a key So he told them wrong. That's why, that's why <laughs> nobody really has an idea of how to pronounce it, but yes, we got it's clarity when we had him on Westbrook and Kine. Yeah. Okay. Continue. Well, you know, I, I am less concerned about the prospect of Tannehill having to make it work with him and Des Fitzpatrick then I would be with him having to be protected all season by some combination of Kendall Lamb or Ty Sambrilo. I would love to have Kendall Lamb or Ty Sambrilo on my team as a sixth offensive lineman. I think they're great at that, at, at being that first option, first line of defense in the event of an injury. I don't want them starting 17 games and then the playoffs. And I think Raiden's can give them that. This is, of course, the Isaiah Wilson do-over pick. You know, the writing was all over yeah. the wall with that. And, and character-wise, you hear uh, Chad Forbes, a draft reporter, said he's the anti-Isaiah Wilson when it comes to his character. And, and I think, you know, when I look at – I don't know what to watch for offensive linemen on film, so I have to rely on the experts. And a lot of the experts, whereas with Wilson, some of his problems were more technique, and it was, well, it may take him some time to – get in game shape and he needs to work on his kick slide needs to work on his hand placement with Raiden's. I'm not really hearing that. I'm not hearing, well, he just needs to do this or he needs to take these steps to get ready for the next level. I'm not hearing those things with Dylan Raiden's, which is why I think he has a chance to be a plug and play player for the Titans at right tackle. Raiden's, you know, it, if he, if it he, there's a good shot that he could he could beat you know Kendall Lamb and win that right tackle job, it's just you know in round two when there was Terrace Marshall Jr. on the board and Diami Brown and uh, Amari Rogers still available, it's that's I think it's you know what what could have been you know the woulda shoulda coulda side of Titans fans is coming out and in and in myself as well, um, but we'll get to that here in a second when we talk about Des Fitzpatrick. 
the Titans had two more picks on day two, both in the third round. Uh, the Titans actually had the 85th pick in the draft, but they traded back to 92. Green Bay moves up, and in the most frustrating part of the draft, takes Amari Rodgers, a guy I really liked and was hoping to see in two-tone blue this season, uh, a slot receiver out of Clemson that the Titans definitely could have had a uh, you know had uh, made made room for, but uh, that's not the route they take. They move back to 92, and they draft an inside linebacker out of Georgia, Monty Rice. Monty Rice. Uh, just on the surface, it, it seems like a Rashawn Evans backup plan, a plan B, uh, uh, you know, the Walmart version of Rashawn Evans has been drafted in Monty Rice. What won me over is that he grew up a t- as a Titans fan. So he gets a pass uh, for, for being, you know, not a questionable draft pick, which he has no control over. But it's an inside linebacker in day two of the draft, round three, your third pick of the draft to kind of bet against Rashawn Evans being on the roster, not this year, but next year. So instead of addressing the glaring needs the Titans had on the roster with that pick, they seem to be more focused on the potential of Rashawn Evans not being a part of the Titans in 2022 rather than to to kind of shore up some, some needs in 2021. What do you think about that? Yeah, you read a scouting report on Monty Rice, and what you're essentially reading is a description of Rashawn Evans. Fast, thumper, good against the run, lacks instincts, not great in coverage, right? That's Rashawn Evans in a Mm -hmm. nutshell. And I agree with your assessment that he's the Rashawn Evans backup plan, if you will. But I think more than that, this pick is not only worthwhile if Rashawn Evans is not good. I I think this pick – is worthwhile anyway, because now they have a third option and inside linebacker. And I want to talk a little bit more about this idea when we get to Molden about the versatility and the options they're going to have. But, you know, I'm never going to complain about, you know, adding a piece to the defense if they think that that Monty Rice is a guy that can come in and contribute. He's going to play special teams. Uh, He's probably going to challenge David Long for those rotational snaps. And I think he's going to challenge Evans, who probably needs to be challenged. I think Jayon Brown is probably firmly entrenched as a starter. Um, well, another thing I'll say too, that they Jayon Brown's the only linebacker that they have that can that's worth his, his weight in, in pass coverage. Yeah. yeah. Another thing I'll say too is you know the Titans traded out of the pick that the Packers used on Amari Rodgers, so they didn't get sniped on Rodgers. They could have taken him there at 85. Yes, exactly. Pass yeah. that up to move down to 92 where they took Monty Rice. You are right that they did get sniped on. I mean, this was just a brutal run leading up to the Titans pick. You had Hunter Long, the tight end from Boston College, uh, Diami Brown, who I really liked and and was a very much a John Robinson type of receiver based on his college production. Tommy Trimble, the tight end from Notre Dame. It was just a brutal stretch for them. Those were three players that they may have drafted had they been on the board when, when the Titans were on the clock. Uh, and so I don't mind the trade down. It got them another fourth-round pick. They were able to get uh, Des Fitzpatrick out of that deal. And so, you know, do you take Amari Rogers or do you take Monty Rice and Des Fitzpatrick? And I think that's a, you know, I don't think that is – necessarily definite one way or the other and and that's what the titans needed to do you know at the end of the day 
this whole draft process is, is kind of a crapshoot and, and really you're throwing darts at a dartboard with a blindfold on. So the more darts you have, the more picks you have, uh, the better chance for, for one of these guys to pay off and, and, you know, hopefully earn a second contract with the Titans. The last guy pick number 100, lucky 100, Elijah Molden, a DB out of Washington. He played a little bit on the, uh, the slot corner. He's expected to maybe challenge for a job there. Also kind of the role Amani Hooker played last season behind Kenny Vaccaro. Uh, with the departure of Vaccaro, Hooker's probably going to step up into the starting role, and that'll leave Hooker's old spot open and vacant for Molden to potentially slide in. A lot of people said that uh, this this was a, a ton of value to find Molden this late in the draft. What did, What's your assessment on Molden? Love the pick. If not for the player, then for what he will mean to the Titans defense. And, and now I'll talk about what I teased a minute ago about options. You know, the Titans defense was awful last year. And, and us media types complained about it. The fans complained about it. The traveling broadcasters who did these games on CBS and Fox complained about it because they were unwatchable. It was brutal. You know, it'd be third down and 22, and you're sitting there thinking, well, this, gee, this is going to be easy. You know, they're going to pick this up, you know, without any problem. That's how bad the Titans defense was. No pass rush, no pass coverage. And so what do they do? Well, they take all these people and they say, get out for varying reasons. Dory Jackson played three games. They may not have been fully satisfied with how he attacked his injury. He was very kind of worthless, to be completely honest, when he was out there in, in 2020. See ya. Malcolm Butler, good player, a lot of money. See ya. Kenny Vaccaro, getting older, getting slower. See ya. Right? You go down the list, and, and they completed a purge of this defense. And so you have to do more than just kick guys out the door. You have to find replacements. And so they did in free agency. They went and got two quality pass rushers in Danico Autry and Bud Dupree. And then they come back in the draft and really attack this defense with Farley, with Rice, and with Molden. And the Titans are set now to have seven new defensive starters in 2020, or excuse me, in 2021. And so you have to like that if you're a Titans fan, right? Like I get the criticism of the receiver, but – they have totally revamped this defense that stunk last year. And Vrabel and Bowen are going to have something this year. And I wrote this in my wrap-up column. Vrabel and Bowen are going to have something this year that they've never – they certainly did not in 2020, and that's options and, and some versatility. You know, I asked Vrabel after they took Molden, because we like to kind of get caught up in, was well, this guy a slot corner? Is he a perimeter corner? You know, I asked Vrabel, I was like, do you even care about that, or is it just let's get the best three corners on the field and see what happens? And he said, well, you know, what we, what we like to do, what we want to do is take it game by game and say, okay, you know, this team has this style of slot receiver, bigger, smaller, faster, shifty, you know. And so because of that, we're going to let this guy play the slot this week because he's going to be best suited to cover that guy. And then maybe the next week it's a different type of player. You know, maybe one week you got Michael Thomas in the slot, and so you put Farley on him, right? And then maybe the next week it's someone like an Edelman type in the slot, and so you put Molden on him or, or you put Christian Fulton on him. Titans didn't have that ability in 2020 because they didn't have that many good players on defense. Now, and I didn't even mention Weaver, who we'll get to, with all of this depth and all of this added talent, they're going to have options and the ability to t either take starters off the field to get rest 
or move starters around without having to worry about a colossal dip in talent occurring. And you're right about the part where the, you know, the Titans now have options this year that they did not have last year. You're completely correct. They have the ability to now mix and match depending on, you know, the opponent on the matchups. It's, they've got Janoris Jenkins, who is new. They have Caleb Farley, who is new. They have Christian Fulton, who is, is five games shy of being an actual rookie. I mean, the guy barely played last season. Um, you bring in Elijah Molden. It's a completely revamped Amani Hooker's in a new role. It's a completely revamped secondary. And you now have depth. You've draft, You've not only drafted a starter, but you've drafted a, a depth player in Molden. The, what they can do next year in the secondary, uh, they got younger and faster. That's what they needed to do. Younger, faster, and more importantly, cheaper by uh, throwing some of these guys into the fire in their rookie deals. So Elijah Molden was the pick at 100. And you were right about the run on tight ends that, that happened right before the Titans were up to pick Hunter Long going off the board. Friar Muth in, in the second, early second round, baby Gronk, he was gone. Um, the, the Titans have put themselves in a position by not taking a tight end in this draft. Uh, they treat the tight end position like other teams treat the running back position. Uh, they, there's When they have one, they'll keep him for his rookie deal and send him packing like John U. Smith. Uh, they've got Ferkser, who's low budget, who can stick around and catch balls. But we're now in the position where Delaney Walker is being discussed as a real <laughs> option. Yeah. And he turns 37 before this season. It's, I just, it, it's, my head's rattling a little bit on, you know, why the Titans failed to address that tight end position before they started coming off the board. Let me say this. First of all, Anthony Ferkser only had 60 less receiving yards in 2020 than Johnny Smith. But they're so, also, but Johnny Smith, what he brought as, as, a, as a blocker is yes. something that Ferkser absolutely does not and, have in his arsenal. And I get, and I hear the criticism of, you know, Johnny was one guy who could do everything. Now you have one guy who can block and Jeff Swain, one guy who can catch and Ferkser. I get that, right? It is not the same. And I feel like what what happens when someone like me, because I fought with a bunch of Titans fans about this during free agency. I go to the floor. I'm like, guys, Ferguson only had 60 less receiving yards than, than Smith. Swain can block. They're going to be okay. Well, neither one of them is as good as John U. Smith. I never said that. I, I, I correct. Right. I, I agree with that assessment, but the game you have to play is not, is this guy as good as this guy? And if not, we got to pay better person. It's can they get the job done? Is it going to be okay? And what the Titans have told us is that the answer to that question is yes. The tight end production, really, since Arthur Smith became offensive coordinator, and now it's going to be Todd Downing, of course, has not been much. It wasn't much in the LaFleur year. Uh, Delaney Walker had his went, went on a tear, of course, and then he had his injuries and sort of faded away. And then John U. Smith sort of bumbled around for a year and then grew into a player that was an effective starter and a weapon you could count on and rely on. But it wasn't like he was lighting anybody up. I mean, he had some nice plays, don't get me wrong, and he's a good player, and he's, I think he's going to help the Patriots and catch a lot of passes from Cam Newton or Matt Jones this year. But I'm not highly concerned about this. I don't look at the tight end position and say, whatever are they going to do? No, I wouldn't mind going and getting Delaney Walker. I've heard 
people throwing around, what if they trade for OJ Howard? I think that'd be great. I think it'd be really good for them. But they're not going to like spontaneously combust because they don't have Johnny Smith, who was a good, not great player. I understand what you're saying. It's just there has to be some level of a concern because now teams, as the Titans roster stands now today, you you put you know a corner and a safety to watch AJ Brown. You've got Josh Reynolds who can move inside and outside. He'll mostly stick on the outside, I'd imagine. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick, we'll see if he uh, if he if he's out there, you know, for the majority of the snaps on offense. We we're pretty unsure about that third receiver right now. But for the Titans, you know, the slot receiver and the tight end have been such a safety valve for Tannehill, and I'm just worried he won't have, um, you you know, that third option on the field. We'll we'll, we'll you know, cross that bridge. You know, you know who Tannehill's safety valve needs to be? It's the guy who went to the school on that flag behind you, A.J. Brown. That He's the safety valve now. Well, he's AJ the main Brown's, valve. He's the main valve. He, he's, but, but he's no longer 1B or 1A. He is one. He his targets need to go up exponentially. He needs to be a featured player in this offense. The offense needs to run through two players, right? Derrick Henry and AJ Brown, just like the Saints do with Michael Thomas. And I know Michael Thomas is slant boy and you know whatever. <laughs> but you watch the Saints play, and 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 they funnel everything through Michael Thomas. And and their other receivers aren't that good. They had like guys like Ted Ginn and, and others playing receiver, and they had a really good running back, Alvin Kamara. Um, you got to funnel this offense through AJ Brown, and then I think Josh Reynolds can be a fine secondary piece. Ferkser, who has been the security blanket for Tanhill in a lot of situations, can be that as well. I think Darrington Evans is someone who can be that. He's the guy who needs to step up, and if he does, and if he's available and can catch out of the backfield and move out of the backfield like he did at Appalachian State, then that makes Tannehill's life a whole lot easier. I mean, I'm I'm talking into my I'm talking myself into not caring about the receiver problem too much, but I, I do have to take a step back. I do care about wide receiver. I mean, it's a problem. Right it's a clear problem. It, it's a problem. Uh, your uncle Jim Wyatt posted today that he thinks they're not done adding to the wide receiver position. Saw that. Uh, do with that. Do with that what you will. Well, let's um, let's do this. That... Let's we'll we'll talk about that here with the next pick. You know, okay. I, our our next guy day three first pick of day three one oh nine Des Fitzpatrick wide receiver out of Louisville. You heard a lot of buzz about Tutu Atwell, a smaller receiver, a guy who weighs one hundred and fifty pounds, which I'm surprised uh, went as early as he did. But uh, Des Fitzpatrick is the guy. He was the offensive MVP at the Senior Bowl. That was kind of a theme with the Titans draft picks. They got to meet a bunch of these guys and see a bunch of these guys at the Senior Bowl. Uh, yeah. Raiden's won a practice award uh, at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. And, and so, so it's ve- the Titans put a strong emphasis on what they saw down in Mobile. And it makes a lot of sense when you hear John Robinson explain it. You know, he talked about how you know, though they were separated by glass pane because we were in a much different world back in even January or February than we are now with the coronavirus. Uh, he's talking to these guys through glass pane, but he's at least talking to them face to face. You know, we're on this Zoom call right now. We can't look each other in the eyes because if, if I'm looking you in the eyes, I'm looking at my camera. Right. He was actually able to sit down, look at these guys in the eyes. You're able to I don't know that how hands on they were able to get with practice work, but you just get a better sense and a better uh, comfort with some of these guys at the senior bowl. So that's not surprising at all. I think it's very smart for them to have taken that approach. Yeah. And John Robinson as a GM, as mo- as all GMs should be uh, to be successful in the NFL, you have to 
be able to read people and to read young people. And so, yeah, I get, I get that the physical meeting was very important, but let's talk about the player. Des Fitzpatrick, where does he fit into this offense? He's, you just, you waited and waited and waited. And in the deepest class at wide receiver in quite some time, the Titans end up with Des Fitzpatrick. Yeah. He wasn't on anybody's radar that I, that I could tell it's, (laughs) It's very underwhelming in the way that the Titans address this position. I'm not completely satisfied with it. I don't know that Des Fitzpatrick is any better than uh, Nick Westbrook-Akine. I mm, we don't wow. know that. Uh, <laughs> it's it's just it's it's one of those things about this draft. It's my biggest concern uh, that, that was heading into this draft and and now is also uh, now that the draft is over. You wonder if the Titans have an extra. You wonder if they have something up their sleeve. Uh, you yeah, know, a plan. And and they must because there's no way in hell that the Titans are going to enter the season with uh, AJ Brown, Josh Reynolds, Des Fitzpatrick, and either Batson or Westbrook Akine as as your four receivers. They have yeah. to have something up their sleeves, don't they? I'm with you there. I I don't, and I don't know whether that's something like Julio Jones or Anthony Miller's a name I've seen. Tim Patrick around. has All been the- rumored as well. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would almost just hedge my bets on their the Fitzpatrick they have on the roster versus that Fitzpatrick. Um, <laughs> and the free agents that are out there stink. You know, there's some good free agents available at other positions, but the list of wide receivers is just not good right now. So I don't know what they're going to do. I agree they're probably going to do something. I think they need to do something. Uh, Fitzpatrick was a four-year starter at Louisville and played – full seasons those four years and he never had a thousand yards Fitzpatrick is the first receiver Robinson has ever drafted who did not have two 1,000 yard receiving seasons in college A.J. Brown had two Corey Davis had two Tajay Sharp had two I feel like I'm missing someone uh but but that has been the rule for John Robinson in the past every receiver he's drafted had two 1,000-yard receiving seasons in college. Taewon Taylor may have been the guy you were Taewon Taylor, he had two. That's it. Uh, and then you bring in Fitzpatrick, who started for four years and didn't even have one. And that concerns me a little bit because I think production matters. And my question is, well, why, why was he not getting more looks? Was there, Like I said, four-year starter full-time. That's rare in college football. He was a full-time starter as a true freshman with Lamar Jackson as his quarterback. And then he was a full-time starter for the next three years. That doesn't happen, really, in college football anymore. And yet he was unable to produce at a high level. He produced at a decent level, you know, six, seven, eight hundred yards every year. It's not like he was invisible and, and he's a pure projection player. But this guy is not going to bust in here and and steal the show opposite A.J. Brown. That's not <laughs> who he is. There's a lot of uh, tape out there on this guy, a lot of history of him having been a four-year starter in college. That's not who he is. And so you can't expect him to be that. Look, I think it's a good pick. I think they needed a receiver. He can come in and be solid for them and, and probably be a good three or four. But – you know, if, if you're a Titans fan and you enter this draft thinking to yourself, we've got to get that receiver to line up opposite A.J. Brown, this isn't that guy. Yeah, I, I, I'm, with, well, I'm obviously with you. I think you could have found that guy had you chosen to go wide receiver maybe at pick number 92, say, when Monty Rice was selected. But they didn't. They waited. They got Des Fitzpatrick. Now they're stuck with him. Uh, not that he's – not that we're writing him off right now. It's just – 
you know, the Titans had a handful of guys and Titans fans had a handful of guys they had pegged and they, they wanted uh, on this roster. And Des Fitzpatrick was not exactly amongst that group. The next guy we're going to talk about, he has been, unfortunately for him and the Titans, the talk of this draft class, which should mm. not happen with a fourth round draft pick. Rashad Weaver taken out of Pittsburgh as a D end. Um, he, he has charges filed against him for misdemeanor assault uh, the day before he was drafted by an ex-girlfriend or a current girlfriend. I'm unsure of their relationship status. I'll have to check Facebook for that. But uh, at a bar where um, she allegedly had thrown a drink at him and she was pregnant at the time, we, we come to find out later. And he pushes her and she hits her head. She gets, she gets diagnosed with a concussion a couple of days later. Um, injuries consistent with a punch thrown. And the most troubling part about all of this is not necessarily – I mean, look, the, the incident is troubling in itself. But what he said to police, whether he yeah. – whether it comes out that he, you know, put hands on this female or not, um, what he said in the police report was troubling. And I'll, I'll pull that up here momentarily. But it's something yeah. that you just – from a from a Titan standpoint, from a scouting standpoint, from John Robinson's point of view, how does this slip through the cracks? How do you let this slip through the cracks after your first round draft pick last year drank and partied himself out of the league in just one year? You have to you have to do your due diligence on a on a guy like this. Uh, it, it comes out Paul Kaharski reported that you know a couple of teams knew, a couple of teams didn't know about this. Um, Rashad Weaver. He may not have even known about this. He was in Florida at the time charges were filed. So he has, he probably hadn't even been served yet, but uh, it's, it's certainly something that's, that's pretty troubling and the Titans yeah. are going to have to work through. And I, who knows if this guy's going to be around for, you know, even tomorrow, much less when, when week one rolls around. Yeah. Uh, a, a few things here. First of all, and, and you certainly didn't near this territory. Some people are, uh, I don't believe in in the witch hunt game. I believe in innocent until proven guilty. So we'll learn whether he actually did this, what his role was. So I'm not going to comment on, you know, what that indicates about There his seems character. to be a video that always accompanies yeah. something like this, and we'll have to but wait we'll, for that. But yeah, we'll see what happens there. His statement, but, Rashad, real quick, Rashad Weaver's statement to the officers, uh, as documented in the police report, Weaver stated to officers – on the scene that he had no problem hitting a female if they needed it. So yeah. this is now an issue of not only whether or not he did it, if it comes out that he didn't do it, the fact that he would say something like this is almost grounds is, is probably grounds to be released. Yeah. And, and that's where I was about to go is I, I can't judge him on what's being alleged with the physical thing yet, because I don't know the evidence. I can judge him on this quote. Uh, and it's bad news, man. Like, I don't want someone on my football team who, you know, says things like that and, and acts in that manner. Spoiler alert, uh, you know, I'll do I'll hit her if she needs it. There's no situation where she needs it, buddy. Like it doesn't work like that. Um, and so this is a problem. And the Titans, because of what happened last year with Isaiah Wilson, are held now to a higher standard on these things. Because when you take the biggest flop in the history of the first round of the NFL draft 
and Isaiah Wilson. Don't come at me with Jamarcus Russell. Don't come at me with Ryan Leaf. Right? That it, we're talking about different situations. They they were they sucked at football. Ryan Leaf did have his <laughs> character issues. Isaiah Wilson. I don't know. He may be a stud. I've never seen him play, but. When you're coming off of the Isaiah Wilson fiasco, you are now held to a higher standard because it is time to overcorrect. You say, if you're John Robinson, something fell through the cracks. We got snowed on this guy. We, we missed all the red flags. We got to up our game now and make sure this never happens again. And I give John Robinson a lot of credit because he wins and he drafts good players mostly. Uh, but this is a problem. And the question that comes out of this naturally is, should the Titans have known? The charges were filed on April 30th. He was drafted on May the 1st, just a day later. And so you ask yourself, well, should the Titans have known? And then you kind of think to yourself, well, you know, it was just a day. How would they have even known? And then, like you mentioned, Jack, this report comes out from Paul Kaharski, one of the you know best reporters on this beat, who says that, he talked to five scouts across the NFL from five different teams. Three knew, two didn't. And so, really, if just one other team knew, then the Titans, who drafted him, should have known. But we got three, and that's just out of five. You know, we're batting, what is that, 60% here with team of, of this very small sample size of teams that knew well, about this. Yeah. And, and Robinson and the Titans have come out and said that, you know, they didn't know. They about didn't. This. Yeah. That, that, and that, so, that's so important that's, to say. There's three teams out of those six teams. And that's a small sample size uh, of the league that, that knew uh, why if three out of six knew that the Titans didn't know in a year where they should be doing, they should be, uh, you know, turning over every stone, no turn, no stone should be left unturned. Uh, they, they've they've got to be you know in constant communication the day before the draft you know you check in with the guy w- was he even on their board it's it's something that just makes it's no a, sense in a year that, a, that they could not have afforded to make a mistake like this it, it if this just happened in isolation you look at the Titans and say hey you messed up it happens right but because of Isaiah Wilson like I said they're held to a higher standard now. And so now you look at this instead of, hey, bad luck, it happens to the best of us, you know, go get a drink, you'll be okay. You look at it as, well, now there's a developing pattern of getting snowed on character. And again, we don't know the extent of, of what actually happened, but, but taking it purely based off the fact that he's involved in a situation like this, period, and, and number two That quote, and let me say this too, one does not simply get out of bed and stumble into a situation where they're accused of domestic violence. That doesn't just happen. No. Like there there is no scenario where in my life, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, where I am out with friends and, oh, something happened and I have been accused, like, and again, we're not doing the witch hunt here. But what I'm saying is the fact that he's even being accused of this and he has put himself in a situation with the people he is around where this is happening is an indictment on his character, regardless of if he put hands on anybody. And now it becomes an indictment on the Titans and their scouting department of why can't they find this out if other teams can? It's simply unacceptable. I'm starting to be concerned that the Titans might have a curse hovering over them. The the, the Panda curse, the curse of Isaiah Wilson. 
uh, a guy who, who I mentioned drinks and parties himself out of the league in less than one year. Uh, now, now they have the Rashad Weaver incident. He's been accused of domestic violence. Um, the charges have been filed. He's made that that, that ridiculous statement um, as you're playing. Yeah, you're playing Isaiah Wilson's music, but <laughs> it's. It, it's just it's it, it makes it's one of those big curses you know, you know it's not the curse of the bambino or the billy goat curse for the cubs but maybe it's the isaiah wilson curse and you know we saw tim tebow we, we the titans have a big needy tight end tim tebow he, he's a man of god future he, jacksonville jaguar tim tebow he's the closest thing to probably um uh, I, I won't go there but he's you know, a man of faith a christian man who has strong yeah. values maybe to write the curse of isaiah wilson the Titans signed Tim Tebow to come in and practice, <laughs> at least as a practice squad player at the tight end position. We, I mean, hell, they couldn't do they. They didn't address it in the draft. How much worse could they do by signing Tim Tebow as a tight end? Look, Maybe you he'll, don't need uh, someone. You need. You don't need someone that's holy. You just need someone who's not a hell raiser. <laughs> Is there a middle ground? There has to be. <laughs> it's like you know, there's there's a middle ground between sucks and savant, and there's a middle ground between holy and hellraiser, and you gotta find the the, the middle ground with with both. Well, you know, it's gonna be interesting to see how how they tiptoe down this very hazardous road with with Rashad Weaver. I don't know that he's got much of a future with the Titans. We'll see. We're gonna let that case play out, and not jump to any conclusions, um, like you guys have. Uh, we're gonna get to those here in a second. You got any thoughts on the last two guys, Racy McMath, Brady Breeze, both drafted in the sixth round. Racy McMath, a, a speedster out of LSU. Brady Breeze, a safety who was actually a big part of Oregon's defense. And uh, what, what do you think? Do you have any opinions yeah. on these two guys? Do you see these guys making the roster? Yeah, I, I think both of them have a real shot to make the roster. McMath more so than Breeze. Titans did need to add, I thought, depth at safety. And Breeze is a, a smart, instinctual player. Uh, was around the ball a lot at Oregon. You mentioned he was a big part of their defense. He was a leader, played like over 700 snaps, something ridiculous like that on special teams. Uh, McMath, Dane Brugler said, ha has the potential to be a super stellar gunner. I was, I was actually supposed to talk to LSU's special teams coach on Monday. Uh, that, for whatever reason, didn't happen. It will eventually, so I look forward to talking to him because McMath, in talking about LSU special teams coordinator talked about how he, he sort of pushed him and saw some potential in him and, and sort of got on his back and turned him into a really super special teams player. Uh, and that's what you're looking for in the late rounds. You're looking for either A, upside, or B, someone who's going to make the team. And, and I think both of these guys fit both of those bills potentially as I don't know how much upside McMath has at receiver. He's sure he's fast and big, but he's never done anything before at receiver. He's never been a difference maker there. So I don't know that there's what a really anything there. For, for oh, a guy who, both for, of them. Both of them have great. For a guy who's an extremely fast player, Racy is a beautiful first name. Racy McMath oh, yeah. is an awesome name. Brady Breeze is a really good name. Although Brady Breeze sounds like a player who play on the West Coast. <laughs> Brady so. Breeze, the two, the two best players of the last decade, arguably, in the NFL. <laughs> all right well you know we, we hit on just about all the draft picks we've got our concerns we, we you know we we have things to look forward to in this draft and a bunch of people say that this draft, you know the titans did a fine job i still have my concerns at wide receiver but i have to trust that the titans have something bigger up their sleeve for down the road june 1st as that as that date approaches we may see some action in the trade market um that remains to be seen though so right now we know the titans got eight new players 
we hope to see, uh, you know, half of these guys on the roster for, for a few years to come. Um, Rashad Weaver may not be one of them, but, you know, we'll find out sooner or later. All right. Before we go uh, to laughing at the Texans and remember the Titan and this week in Titans Facebook, let me talk to you guys about DraftKings because the hits literally keep on coming from one boxing event to the next. They grow in excitement and anticipation. And this weekend is no different with two of the sports most respected fighters stepping into the ring Saturday night. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all new users a shot at turning $1 into $55. To celebrate this weekend's huge event, DraftKings Sportsbook is offering new users the opportunity to get 55 to 1 odds on either main fighter to win this weekend's event. That's bet $1, and if the fighter of your choice wins, you cash $55. Plus, with hockey and basketball playoffs right around the corner, DraftKings Sportsbook has even more ways for you to make it rain. DraftKings Sportsbook is safe, secure, and reliable, meaning you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. I would know this. I withdrew some funds after I had a big uh, draft weekend uh, as I bet the draft. But go ahead, download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbooks app now and use code A to Z when you sign up, A-T-O-Z. For a limited time, all new users can bet $1 to win $55 on this weekend's main event. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is going all out for new users by offering them a chance to win $55 when placing a bet of $1 on this weekend's big fight only at DraftKings Sportsbook. (gasps) Must be 21 or older, Tennessee-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. Now let's get to laughing at the Texans. Luke, they've done it again. The Houston Texans continue to make asses out of themselves. Um, <laughs> yeah. This, this time in a new way we, have, we haven't really seen yet. So the Texans, who didn't have many draft picks to begin with and have just about 22 holes on their roster, uh, you, you know, they, they, there's not many things that the Texans have right now down in Houston uh, that you can be confident in heading into this season. So with as many holes that they have on that roster, as many questions as they have, they have a new coach in David Coley. With their first pick, which comes in the third round, they don't have a first or second round draft pick. Um, due to some 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 trades that they've made, uh, but with their first pick in the third round of the NFL draft, the Houston Texans select quarterback Davis Mills out of Stanford. What in the hell are they thinking? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I don't know. I mean, Rich Eisen sat there on the NFL draft set, and and I can't remember the exact question he kept asking. He was like what it was like what is what is happening or something to that effect he was shocked uh daniel jeremiah seemed to be very shocked too i mean look this is a coaching staff and and general <laughs> management and nick cesario who has over and over again preached for the last few months that deshaun watson's their guy and he's gonna play for the texans this year and he's a texan for life and all this nonsense that everyone knows is not true and so finally, they admit to being the frauds that they are and go and take someone that can compete with Terod Taylor to potentially get snaps at quarterback for the Texans this year because Deshaun Watson, before Deshaun Watson was accused of being a sex criminal, 
before all of that came out, you still, you know, Deshaun Watson was never going to play for the Texans. And so now this is them admitting, A, that they're liars, and B, that Deshaun Watson is not playing. Because if you have Deshaun Watson as your quarterback, you're not spending a third-round pick on it. I mean, imagine the outrage from from me, but, but also the fans. If the Titans, who have Ryan Tannehill, one of the elite quarterbacks in this league, Imagine if they took Davis Mills in the third round. There would be riots. There would be riots in the streets. And let me tell you the one person who might hate this pick more than Texans fans. Deshaun Watson's lawyer. What an indictment on you yeah. know, what the Texans believe about Deshaun Watson's case or, or multiple cases uh, by drafting his replacement or an essentially you know a quarterback that can come in and fill shoes if needed which by taking him with your first pick in the 2021 NFL draft seems like he's going to be needed. It's the Texans just thank God for the Houston Texans, a team that will not threaten the Titans for the next five to 10 years. Uh, no, a, team, no a team that you can just roll into town week 17, roll over and head into the playoffs after probably the closest thing to a bye week as you can get by playing another team in the NFL. So Luke, this is going to be your first time, but let's just take a second and laugh at the Texans. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so, it just doesn't get old. For I don't under, even when Bill O'Brien is gone, they're still making horrendous personnel decisions uh they they can't get it right no matter who they hire and i feel so bad for david coley who i think is the oldest coach in the nfl to coach in his first year the the oldest first year head coach in nfl history i should phrase it as um it's it's he's giving he's he's been given no chance to succeed with his roster uh it's it it makes no sense I, i don't understand it the texans are you know, for the time being and probably for the next decade are in maybe not purgatory, but hell. Uh, And so we'll see how that goes. The Davis Mills experiment. Mm. What a, what an interesting, what an interesting route they took, but okay, guys, we, we, we talked about this at the top of the episode. We've laughed at the Texans. We've talked about the Titans draft picks. Now let's get to what some of you guys said over the weekend. You know, a lot of people were really, it was a lot of people were on the fence about Caleb Farley and not taking a receiver in the first round. Not only that, but the decisions that happened thereafter in the draft this weekend. So we are going to break out this week in Titans Facebook. We've got great responses or really terrible responses uh, on social media from, from a bunch of you guys. Uh, now, Luke, do we, do we drop names in this segment? Yes, you absolutely drop. You absolutely drop. Okay. Names. Okay. So I'll start us off this week. So Christopher, uh, the Chris, or actually, you know what? We're not going to start it off with him. We're going to start it off with a reaction from night one. Kevin Johnson, high pockets 84 on Twitter. So get at him if you need to. Uh, After Caleb Farley was selected, this is what Kevin Johnson tweets. I hate John Robinson more than any person who has ever walked earth. Fuck you. I, Kevin Johnson, man, you got to, I think there's some underlying issues. For taking a generational talent at quarter? It doesn't make sense to me either, Luke. And, and of all people to hate on this earth, 
John Robinson doesn't make my list. I mean, I have I have Jim Ursay in front of him on my list. I have Tom Brady up there on my list. Um, who else has wronged the Titans in the past? Uh, can I put Rustin Webster on that list? I hate him more than John Robinson. Uh, there's, I mean, there's just so many other people to have there. And Isaiah Wilson looking, may be at the top of my list. Yeah, I'm looking at like the replies to this. And, and he made the comment, I want championships, not playoffs. I don't know what that has to do with anything. Um, Kevin Johnson. And he's got Kevin Johnson is exactly what he what you think he looks like. He's got a black wife beater on profile picture taken from inside his car, um, which I can only assume is also his house. Uh, So, Kevin Johnson, you have graced us with your idiocy. Uh, Thank you for opening this week's, uh, you know, this week in Titans Facebook. So we had Kevin Johnson speak on night one. I've got another one for you, Luke, if you're ready for it. I'm ready. Christopher, the Christy Love 10. There are some Titans fans that aren't ready for this, but the wide receiver group of A.J. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and Des Fitzpatrick is better than the group we had this past year. And, so, and you all thought I hate Corey Davis. I mean, good <laughs> night. So Josh Reynolds and Des Fitzpatrick are upgrades over Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys. Huh. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, it's not how this works. Sorry, that is something. That just, I mean, I'm not. I'm not even going to pull my hair I, out of my I, head. I'm tempted to like you know jump in the ring with the like roll with the pigs and like put on my analysis hat and be like, well, here are the ten reasons why Corey Davis is better than John. I'm just like, nope, it's not true. You're wrong, and I'm not going to waste my time explaining. Christopher, yeah. we love the optimism, but we've got to get real at some point, buddy. We, we have to get real. We'll come back down to earth. Come back and join us down on earth. Luke, I, I understand that you have one that you found. Yes. This one is from – this one's actually from Facebook by, by Dre Patrick Jr. Who DPJ. Writes, yeah, in, in response to the Rashad Weaver news, simple assault, that's nothing. Y'all tripping. I have more rap sheet than that, LOL. (laughs) Oh, no. He told on himself. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) He he very much did. Hopefully hopefully no no, uh, people with job opportunities are looking through Titan's Facebook because they may have to skip over him. One thing I've learned really in every facet of life, whether you're talking about spiritually or in relationships with people or, you know, explaining a decision you made, well, at least I did it, or at least he didn't blank, is never the correct thing to say, (laughs) ever. There's no, just eliminate that from your vocabulary. That and, uh, well, well, they were asking for it, right? Just two phrases you need to eliminate <laughs> from your vocabulary. They were asking for it, and, well, at least it wasn't fill in the blank. Just those two things should never be said, ever. That is gold. You crushed this week in Titans Facebook your first time. I've got one more. Andre Stilazon Lewis, you know, if you can believe it, that's actually his name. Uh, why are the Titans going to throw us a curb ball? C-U-R-B. Curb. Why are the Titans going to throw us a curb ball? I'm just saying. Eyeball, eyeball. So I, th- I threw some of those when I first got my driver's license. 
some curveballs. Curve <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I had one last week that I'm not too proud of, but it's, <laughs> I, I love you guys at the same time. I also hate some of you guys, I, <laughs> but I think that that's healthy for an NFL fan base. So I don't want to have to like all of you. So I'm glad that some of you are making it so easy for me to dislike you. Kevin Johnson, Jack, you suck. Jack, with, with, since this is my first week doing Titans Facebook, this, this week in Titans Facebook, I want to share my all-time favorite Titans Facebook post. And those of you who listen to No Nonsense have probably heard me talk about this before. But this was around uh, 2000, it was 2017 season when this was posted. I can't remember who posted it. I, I've been looking through my phone to find a screenshot. I can't find it. It, it exists somewhere. I'll find it later. But this person posted um, – I think the Titans were getting ready to play the Texans. And this this was the year that Hurricane Harvey had hit Houston. And this person posted, Houston thinks Hurricane Harvey was bad. Wait, t- <laughs> wait, wait till they see Hurricane Mariota. <laughs> oh, that my God. takes gosh. the cake is the worst Facebook post I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> it's funnier now that the Mariota era in Tennessee has ended. Exactly. Man, but there was a time where people, you know, people were like, hey, Mariota's coming through town. Better watch out now. <laughs> yeah. It's not, not the same narrative. Pretty sure he pulled his hamstring in that game. So it didn't didn't work out. All right. Well, that's that'll that'll do it for this week in Titans Facebook. Let's quickly hit Remember the Titan before we get on out of here. Uh Luke, lead us off, if you will. Yes, my remember the Titan this week was a mainstay on the Titans defensive line from circa 2011 to 2013-ish. Sammy Lee Hill, the defensive tackle. Big Sammy Lee Hill played nose tackle for the Titans, though they ran a 4-3 back then, so he technically didn't play nose tackle. But just this big, like, hole-plugging dude who had a role on the team for years, even though he really didn't do anything except – Give the Titans, clinch for the Titans, I should say, one of their two wins in the 2014 season. Because they won in week one at uh, at Kansas City, and then they lose, and then they come back home after a couple of losses. I believe they were one in three in this game. Playing the Jacksonville Jaguars at home. I remember I was at that game with my dad, and uh, this was obviously before I started covering the Titans. And, And I remember the Titans offense went three and out to start the game, first drive and got booed off the field. And I remember my dad looking at me. He was like, that's one drive. This isn't good. They're getting booed off the field this early. Like, it was bad. Charlie Whitehurst started that game for the Titans at quarterback. Blake Bortles was starting for Jacksonville. And end of the game, they bring out Josh Scobie to try to attempt a game-winning field goal. Titans were up by one, I think. So, the field goal, if it's good, wins the game for Jacksonville. If it's no good, wins the game for the Titans. Uh, Jacksonville sends Josh Scobie out to kick a field goal. Sammy Lee Hill in the middle of the defensive front blocks the kick with his hand. And after the game, when asked about the play by reporters, said, I only had to jump the height of a notebook. (laughs) Everyone needs a player on their roster like Sammy Lee Hill. That's that's just an all-time name. By the way, speaking of all-time names, did you see the Titans signed a guy by the name of Naquan Jones? Naquan Jones. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that's like defensive lineman naquan jones that that's too weird for me that's like if, if you had a girlfriend named like hannah jones and you break up with her 
and then Savannah Jones or, or Anna Jones. Yeah. It's, just, it's like, that's a little too weird for me. <laughs> um, that's a great one though. Good job, Luke. Mine. I'm going to William Hayes this week. Nicknamed. Okay. Breeze. Uh, William Hay. William Hayes was from, he got drafted in the fourth round of the 2008 NFL draft by the Titans out of Winston-Salem state. And you guys might remember him. I mean, he, he had eight sacks in his four seasons as a Titan um didn't do uh didn't really contribute a ton on the field i mean eight sacks in four years is fine from a fourth round draft pick i guess but you guys may have uh heard about or were introduced to william hayes on hard knocks when hard knocks went up to the rams when jeff fisher was coaching up there so after being drafted in 08 by jeff fisher as a titan william hayes actually was the benefactor of Fisher's benching as he as he benched Javon Curse in Week Ten of the 2008 season. So William Hayes uh, was promoted over Javon Curse at that at that point in time. But after his Titans tenure, he went up to St. Louis, played with the Rams for a little bit. Uh, he got paid, signed a three-year, twenty-one million dollar deal on March of 16, 2016. He finished up with the Dolphins, but his he has this weird thing. He doesn't believe that dinosaurs exist. So, so, so he, he thinks that paleontologists have had this scheme or archaeologists and paleontologists have had this scheme throughout the history of, of time uh, where, where they just plant bones and then discover them to kind of further the narrative that dinosaurs existed. Uh, yeah. He, he, he actually was quoted uh, w- with this quote. This here. came out on Hard Knocks when he was yeah, with the Rams, right? Exactly, exactly. So, so he said, no, I don't believe dinosaurs existed, not even a little bit. He continued, I believe there's more of a chance you will find a mermaid than you will find a dinosaur because we find different species in the water all the time. So they, this guy's a bit of a nut, but Jeff Fisher on Hard Knocks in, in 2016 when, when they visited St. Louis said, uh, or actually, was it the St. Louis Rams? I think that was, would have been LA. first, that was Fisher's first year in L.A. That was the team's first year in L.A. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so on, on Hard Knocks, they asked Jeff Fisher about it, and Fisher said, I remember him getting really excited about the potential for moving out here from St. Louis to L.A. because he knew he would be closer to mermaids here on the West Coast. It's just one of those interesting guys in the NFL. There's always one of them. You got uh, Sammy Watkins is, is, is one of those weird guys. Uh William Hayes, who actually is a sensible human being. It's just funny that he 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 believes in this. You got Kyrie Irving in the flat earth. William Hayes doesn't believe in dinosaurs. You know, I used to uh, not believe in dinosaurs like early in high school. I made that statement one time. That's a school. little like, too long to not yeah. believe in. Was that like your edgy phase where you were like, no, nah, it can't be real? It, it was my skeptic phase, I guess. Okay. Yeah. And, and I made that statement. I was like, I don't believe in dinosaurs. And my teacher, who I now have a great relationship with, he was like, well, do you believe in George Washington? Like, <laughs> as if to make the comparison, like, to say I don't believe in dinosaurs is as absurd to say I don't believe in George Washington. <laughs> That's so funny. That's good. I, I believe in dinosaurs. Full disclosure, I believe in them. Um, I also believe in ghosts. So, well, my light is and curses. For the I last believe in curses. Minutes, so. I, I believe in jinxes. I believe in the no hitter jinx. I, and, and, you know, as, as a person who's in sports journalism and sports media, I probably shouldn't, but <laughs> I do. I do. Look, I'm a gambling man. So when I'm sitting at home and say I'm betting on a basketball game and the guy steps to the line, oh, 
and you have whoever it is, maybe it's Jim Nance in the tournament saying just, you know, this kid hasn't missed in, in his last 26 tries at the free throw line. And then dude misses one. I, that's completely jinxed to me. I, he put that hex on that man. So that's just me. I'm a little, I'm a little superstitious, but here it is. We, we've come to the end of Sode 61, the Fernando Velasco of Sodes. Um, Luke, before we hit the road, is there anything you want to tell the people? I can't think of anything. Is there supposed to be something I'm telling the people? No, you can just leave them with a thought, a question. Um, maybe, maybe, a, uh, maybe a rhyme. Do you have a riddle? I, I, not that I can think of. Uh... <laughs> All right, well, you can maybe think on one for next week. <laughs> Uh, so go okay, ahead, guys. I'll do that. <laughs> give us a follow. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Luke underscore Worsham. We are the Tighten Up Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter at Tighten Up Pod, on Instagram, Tighten Up Podcast. Um, give us a re- rating review uh, and subscribe to the uh, Apple Podcast, A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed. Um, a lot of great podcasts there, uh, in- including ours. Give Luke's No Nonsense Podcast to listen as well. He does great work over there. Um, we made it. This is this is the draft reaction episode. We have made it. I'm proud of us. We've laughed at the Texans. We have read your stupid Facebook comments. Now it is time for us to bid you farewell. So with that being said, Luke, tighten up. They used to be the Oilers a long, long time ago when they played in the Houston Astrodome. They've gone from being spoilers to starting six and oh since they moved to Tennessee to call it home. They had a Music City miracle to conquer Buffalo. Then they came within a yard of winning in the Super Bowl. They've had the same head coach leading all the way. That's one of many reasons that I'm loving how they play. They're the Tennessee Titans, they're the Tennessee Titans, they'll keep on fighting all the way. They're the Tennessee Titans.